Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode, or like two episodes, I guess. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Viva, viva Las Vegas. Lachlan. What? <laughs> Hi. Uh, welcome to Viva Lachlan. There we go. I was... I, I was so afraid you weren't done. No, that was the end of the song. Um, all right. Uh, welcome to Viva Laughlin. This aired in two, two episodes in 2007. Yes, this is an off-requested uh, show for us the, to do. It's been on the list literally since the inception of the show, nearly five years ago. Yep, that's right. Uh, we are coming up on the five-year anniversary of Stay Doomed in a couple of short months. Uh, but... It was lost for a really long time and only recently resurfaced. Yes, it was weird because one of the episodes said like it had been put up seven years ago. So I don't know if it would have been like made privated and then like unprivated recently. But we found it. So we watched it. And here we are. So before we get too deep into this, let's pour one out. What do you got there, Laura? Uh, I have the No Bad News, Only Mountains. No Bad News, Only Mountains. Uh, it is uh, 99 Bananas. Well, what are you doing? Rock Candy. Mountains. And uh, it's Watermelon Seltzer. <laughs> I was about to say, please say something that's not an alcohol. No, it's, it's slapped together by a bunch of different elements and... Uh, it's not going to work because mm. it's three things that oughtn't go together. Oh, very interesting. Yep. Enjoy drinking that. I will do no such thing. <laughs> you would eat your rock candy. Crunch, crunch, <laughs> crunch. Uh, uh, I made it a while ago, so the rock candy's like not really yeah. still with. Really, I added just like three tablespoons of sugar to this. Yeah, yeah. It's. Actually, and just it's, made it a color. <laughs> it's revolting. I will be honest with you. Uh, I have the Viva Lachlan cover of a rum and coke. It is rum and coke and mezcal. It shouldn't be in there, the mezcal. It doesn't add anything to it. It actually just kind of ruins it. Why did you put mezcal in a thing? I also don't want mezcal to be here anymore, and I don't know how to get rid of it besides drinking it. Alright, well that sounds like your problem. It. <laughs> oh, the cough. You ever have a rum and coke, and then you take a sip and you're like, hmm, somebody put a cigarette in this. That's where I'm living right now. I have not. No? No, I don't. No. You've never been to a casino? No, I mean, I have, but... This is the most casino-tasting drink I've ever had. Can I try a sip? If you must. 
She's smelling it. She's rethinking her decisions. She went in for a second sniff, which is the weirdest part of this whole <laughs> scenario. I hate the fact that since you're a podcast, you have to provide... I have to. I know. I, I understand why. I just can't sip it while I'm laughing. Yeah, while stop being hilarious. Uh, right? Mm. I, I'm working on it. Um, it tastes like childhood trauma. <laughs> like it, it tastes like I've been left in the basement where all the adults are smoking and told to like do <laughs> do your worksheets. So I, I think I may have told the story on Mike about my very first alcoholic drink. Okay, it was when I was very very small uh, because I couldn't read at this point. I was like three maybe. Right. And I saw a silver can with red writing mm. on top of the kitchen table. Mm. You know it has. You know it's a silver can. A, with a red delicious writing. diet coke. Yeah, and like I was a little seagull, and I was going to scavenge me a little bit of diet coke. My aunt also smoked like a chimney, and it was a coarse light, and not a diet coke at all. So when I originally described this, and you were like, "I have no point of reference," you had the exact point of reference I was discussing. No, because you know what? I've never had a rum and coke. <laughs> oh, all right then. <laughs> I, have, I I don't like rum very much. So I, I actually legitimately have never had a rum and coke. It's not bad. No, it's bad. But I, I'll drink it. <laughs> no, it is quite bad. I mean, I I forsook mine for a can of for a can of uh, regular seltzer. Uh, so let's jump into to this show. Uh, so to begin, before we had started watching this, I had been singing, Viva. Las Vegas randomly <laughs> throughout the day because we, I knew I was watching this and it actually starts with Viva Las Vegas. It does. Um, it starts off with our hero, uh, Ripley Holden. I'm going to use the term hero. Like we're playing real fast and loose with the term hero. I would, I would go to f- as far as to say incorrectly. Our main character, um, and he is actually starts off singing Laughlin, Nevada. Uh, is, is it Nevada? I thought it was Colorado. No, it's Nevada. All right. And he gets out of his pool. He dresses in a nice suit and he's singing along to the song. We see a, a picture of him and his wife in the bedroom. And it seems to be, the song seems to be what we're going to call diegetic. Okay. At this moment, I believe that he is singing to... Music that exists. He's singing along to the radio. Yeah, like music that is playing somewhere. Uh, he wishes his son a happy birthday. His wife points out that the son's birthday was, in fact, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then he has, like, weird sitcom-y dialogue uh, with his daughter, Cheyenne, who is a teenager, and he doesn't like her... He preemptively doesn't like her boyfriend, who he has not met. And is like, oh, is this one human this time? It it it's giving Mr. Ed. Yeah. Like that kind of dialogue. The bad Mr. Ed. See previous episode. Yes. Um. So 
he we find out he is building a casino. Yes. Called the Viva. Yeah, he used to own several... 13 convenience stores. An unlucky number of convenience stores and sold them all so he could open a casino. Yes. And uh, we then have this reveal that uh, he got his son a birthday present. Yes, he got his son... An extremely expensive car. Yes. The the car that uh, Heisenberg gets his son in uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> Is that it? It's pretty much the same car. It's an expensive looking sports car. Yes. It's the I'd like to buy my son's love package. Yes. I don't know a lot about cars. So they, they're talking about like... Take it for a ride. Go pick up some girls. Try to keep it under 80 on the freeway. Don't come home till midnight. No, 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 no. Under 50, home in an hour, not wrapped and tree on the air. <laughs> And just peels out of of the driveway of the home they live. And then he like Ripley whips back around to his daughter and he's like, by the way, your boyfriend's coming over for dinner tonight. And I was like, well, I already hate this double standard. Yeah, like... <laughs> Son, here's a car. Get home by the time I ask. Or don't. You're a rebel. I will control every ounce of your life. <laughs> yeah, and she's older. Yeah. Uh, she's implied to be in college, and the son is implied to have just turned 16. Yes. And his wife, Natalie, um, asks him, look, can we afford it? And Ripley says, we're about to open a gold mine. We can cash in a few nuggets. And then gets into his car and is driving to the loft, the Viva, mm-hmm. and he sings Viva Las Vegas again. Again. Now, when I say singing... Again, I at this point, I think the music is diegetic. I think it's like on his car radio mm-hmm. or something. Because when I say he's singing it, gentle listener, I don't want you to think about Glee. Yeah. I don't want you to think Never about... Never think about Glee. <laughs> I don't want you to think about Scrubs, the musical episode of Scrubs, mm-hmm. or the musical episode of even Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and I certainly don't want you to think about Riverdale yet. Yes. He's singing with the vocals. Yeah, yeah. You still hear Elvis. Yeah, like he's singing along with Elvis. So, wait, now he's in the under construction casino singing still, but so is Elvis. Yeah, so he enters his not yet open casino and just starts dancing and then he jumps up on the card table. Yes. And he's just like, ha ha ha. Uh, Viva Las Vegas. I should note that there's a lot of copyright music in this. So yeah. there may not be a lot of clips this episode. If you're wondering why I'm doing so much singing, that's why. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Make that your ringtone. In any case. And then it just stops. <laughs> and we meet Jonesy, his accountant. Jonesy, his accountant. Oh, Okay, just continue. I'm giddy. Uh, Jonesy says, like, Bad news. No such thing, only mountains to be climbed. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot that line. (laughs) Uh, And they find out Buddy, who is a big investor who is investing a quarter of the money for the casino, wants out because he wants to invest in wind farms. This is one of the most insane scenes I've ever sat and witnessed. Okay. Because Ripley's like... Because I wanted something more for me, for my family, for this place, for the little people like oh, Diane oh. Ferguson downstairs. She used to wear graveyard at my fourth rib mark. Now she is managing the casino cage in a uniform. 
If that's not living the American dream, I don't know what is. You know what, buddy? I'm glad I found out you had no balls at this stage because you deserve to lose your money in some tree-hugging, yoga-driven windmill business. So again, <laughs> to recap that, people who open casinos are heroes. Unlike this villain who wants to invest in wind farms. Yes. That's the villain. Yeah. We're cheering for casino guy. Yep. This is like 14 minutes in. Yeah, we want the guy who is like, woo, capitalism. Yeah. Not the environment. Your next comment is, oh no, this guy I already don't like might go broke. <laughs> yeah, because now he's like, well, if we don't have Buddy's money, then we won't be able to open the doors. And then I'll be bankrupt. I was like, oh no, this guy I don't like is going to lose all his money I don't think he should have. <laughs> Shucks! <laughs> Man, am I invested. So, <laughs> he, uh, we, we don't know what he's going to do. He, we don't have a solution, but he needs a million dollars if because he can't afford the crane to, to put the sign, the sign on Viva the side. up. Uh, but he can't worry about that. He's got to be home for dinner with Cheyenne's uh, boyfriend. Boyfriend, Steve. Steve, who is forty-two. He's forty-two years old, and. She's 18. Yep. She is a student of his? Yes. He is, like, the theater professor? Yes. Riley, like, rightfully doesn't like this and, like, starts calling him Shakespeare to kind of, like, sass him. Yeah. And I would be on Riley's Ripley. team. Is it Ripley? It's Ripley. Okay. I would be on Ripley's team here if he didn't talk... Like a 1930s gangster. Yeah. Like, everything's like, ah, Shakespeare, you think you can get away with this? And what first attracted you to an 18-year-old woman? Her mind, I suppose, what with you being a professor and all. You said you were going to be civil. Oh, this is me being civil. Because if I wasn't being civil, there'd be a hole in that window, and he'd be on the other side of it with a paramedic asking him if he's on any medication. It'd be terrible if something happened to you. And, like, I feel like a lot of universities have ethics codes against this. Oh, yeah. And Ripley could make this problem go away by, like, calling the university. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, my daughter's a freshman, and now she's dating a professor? Yeah. Uh, can, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, if he calls the school, then, like, he would still have the moral high ground. Yeah. Uh, so they, they has fight, and... Uh, they storm out together. Yeah. The Steve and the daughter. I don't have the daughter's name. Cheyenne. Cheyenne. They leave together. And we cut back to uh, Ripley talking to his accountant. Jonesy. Jonesy. And Jonesy's like, I have an idea, but you're not going to like it. He's like, well, then hit me with it. And he says, Nikki Fontaine. Fontana. It is Fontana, you're right. Yeah. Nikki Fontana. <laughs> Who's Nikki Fontana, you might ask? Well, dear listener, it's Wolverine. 
It is Hugh Jackman. It is P.T. Barnum. It is uh, Leopold. <laughs> is that the third Hugh Jackman movie I can think of? Yeah. We got Wolverine, P.T. Barnum. Not Van Helsing? Not Valjean? Yeah. No, I went right to Leopold. Leopold, yeah. <laughs> from Kate and Leopold. You know, guy with balls on his chin from movie 43. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. So, he sings Sympathy for the Devil. Yes. Through his casino floor, because he owns a successful casino. Yes. He has Showgirls, and it's a villain song. Yeah. So he- and then I have the question, is this diegetic... It could be. It could be just that Fontana does this. Right. Because he seems like a showman, perhaps the greatest showman. But once again, we got to talk about... That he is singing. And this is Hugh Jackman, who at this point, I need to point out, has won a Tony. Has won a Tony. Singing over... Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. And... We know he's a bad un because he's singing Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah. And he's doing bad things like dancing with showgirls and dancing in a casino. The thing Ripley did. That he owns. And he's going around and he's kind of like the Fonz. Yeah. Where like he'll point at a slot machine and they'll hit it big. You know. Evil. Like an evil person. It rains we, money at the end. Yeah. But because we know heroes are those who own casinos. Yeah. And to give it to these plebs is villainous. What are they going to do? Invest in wind? Uh, Nick immediately says something creepy about Ripley's daughter when they're talking to try to establish evil. Yeah. Now, did you recognize Ripley's daughter by chance? No. Because Cheyenne is a Stay Doomed alumna. No, really? Oh, she she sure is. She do you remember the like Eros like the engineer, like the mortal person in Inhumans? The blonde girl who's friends with the Inhumans? Wait. Like the normie? The doctor? Yeah. That's Cheyenne. She's the girl from the Santa Clara diet? No. The the doctor that takes care of Lockjaw, or the the lock- no no you're not, we're talking about different people. Wait, the girl who's just like I found the Inhumans, hooray! Yeah, like the flight director, the one who's like in charge of the moon. Oh no! <laughs> like she's buddies with Medusa. Oh no! No, she's not the vet. You were thinking. Of I was the thinking vet. of the vet. I was thinking of the vet. Oh goodness! Well. Let's get her on the show. <laughs> I mean, based on her IMDb, that might not be that hard. All right, we'll reach out. She she also has the uh, potential to join the three-time club. Mm. If, With Andy Dick? Yeah, if and when we do Selfie. Oh, I didn't know that. She's right. also in Selfie. Excellent. Well, so she might be... Uh, I will definitely reach out to her. So... Uh, He's evil. He knows about the he knows about Buddy pulling out. Yeah, so basically the idea is Ripley's going up to him and saying like I need a new investor. Like would you like to invest? 
we could own this together. And like, he makes a really nice sales pitch of like how nice it is and how many rooms there are and all this other stuff. And it makes a lot of sense. But Nikki Fontana goes, so what I'm hearing is you don't have enough money to open. You're desperate for someone to come and help you. And if I sit back and watch you fail, I can buy that building for nothing. Which, based on, like, the description of what a hero is earlier that Ripley does, this dude is a superhero. Yeah. (laughs) And he offers Ripley a job. He's like, I'll let you manage the casino. Yeah, it's like... He's making a good business decision. <laughs> yeah, he makes a semi-lecherous comment about Cheyenne, and that's the only way we know he's actually evil. Yes. Uh, he also has a friend with him. Yeah, I don't have many notes about his, like, two henches. I know I recognize him. The the, the bald guy, like... Yes, I am pulling I thought... him up right now. The actor's name is D.B. Woodside. Uh, he is... Best known as... I'm going to guess cop number two in everything. Because like I feel like I've seen him as a cop before. I almost want to say Dexter, but I don't think that's it. Um, he was in 24. That is how I think I know him. As President Wayne Palmer? Not David Palmer. Oh, he's the president's son who becomes the president. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um... I have a point about him later. That's why I wanted to voice yeah, it. Yeah, he's in a lot of things. Yeah, he's he's a that guy. Yeah, along with Jonesy. Like, Jonesy... The accountant? Jonesy the accountant. His most recent credit is Shazam 2. Oh, good for him. Like, he's steadily working. We will not be eating him on the show. Yeah, I mean, multiple credits in 2022. Um, so, like... He's definitely one of those career character actor types. Mm-hmm. And he's a New Jersey native. Yay! So, uh, we then get a reprise of Sympathy for the Devil. Because, yes. you know, we have Hugh Jackman. We better let him sing along to Mick Jagger twice. Mm-hmm. So, then, we gotta jump back to our other plot line. And it's Ripley at the university Cheyenne attends. Yes. To go uh, meet up with Professor Lechery. He asks him if he's teaching Lechery 101. Yeah. And David is now a jerk. Where he's just like, you can't... Steve. Is it Steve? Professor Steve, yeah. Oh. Shakespeare. I don't have any of these names. You have none of them. I've gotten a zero named correctly this entire episode. And now I can't cut it because it's a bit now. But, but uh, he goes up to Shakespeare and he's just kind of like, you can't intimidate me. You're here to intimidate me and you're not going to do that. We're both adults. I can do whatever I want. And Ripley is kind of like having this argument with him as he's going to his car. And eventually Shakespeare turns around and says, and I wrote this down. All right, this conversation's over, you know. Just because your daughter's a babe really shouldn't be my problem. You're dating her, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the reason you're dating her. That is, in fact, the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're going to be furious when you realize who Steve is, the professor. Oh? Uh, one of your favorite shows is Better Call Saul. 
That's true. I'm not caught up, but... Yeah, but Howard Hamlin's been in, like, multiple seasons of Better Call Saul. Really? And that's He's Professor Steve. Howard Hamlin? Yes. That, does, that doesn't make sense. He's <laughs> also in one of your all-time favorite shows. It's a law show. Franklin and Bash. Franklin and Bash. It's a law show. And my favorite show I've never seen an episode of. Franklin and Bash, it's a law show. <laughs> Franklin and Bash, Franklin and Bash, Franklin and Bash, it's a law show, a law show. I love when there's an A and B plot, but we just still have the same character the whole time. Yeah. So Ripley's got to run back to the other plot. Which which is the money. Is the money. And he's approaching this woman that he knows. Yeah, who's Buddy's wife, Bunny. Bunny. She's played by Melanie Griffith. Oh, I did not realize that. I should say that the rip we watched was not super clear. No, it wasn't. Uh, so he starts asking Bunny if there's anything she can do to persuade her husband to reinvest. Instead of saving the planet. And uh, Bunny might be able to do something if uh, Ripley's willing to do something for or to her. Yes, and then they sing one way or another, but they sing it as a duet, but they're both singing over Debbie Harry. Yeah, so it's it's not a duet, it's a triplet. It's bad. It is so bad because, like, the whole point is she wants to do him. Yeah. For some reason. It's implied they have a past together. Yeah. And he doesn't because he has respect for his marriage. Yeah. But they're singing the same words. Yeah. (laughs) One way or another, I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you. Is not what you say when you're like, I don't want to have sex with you. <laughs> they dance by the pool. Yeah, they it's like, like a seducey, chasey. They just like, they kind of like tango and stuff like that. And then it smash cuts and they're back to the place they were in where the discussion started. And I scream, did any of that happen? Because now the idea that it's diegetic is pretty much gone. Like, there are musical numbers in this. Yeah. And you and I both know a thing or two about musicals. And the idea of a musical is when you are so filled with a mus- so much emotion that you can no longer talk, that singing becomes the only option. Yeah. And in the world of a musical, that is normal. Yes. In this world, it's not happening. No. It is a thing that is for us to enjoy that fills two minutes of airtime, and then we get back to the story. Yes. Like, it's basically a show where every 17 minutes, there's a karaoke dream sequence. Yeah. But with karaoke, there wouldn't be the original vocalist. It would be better. So then we get a we get a shot of Ripley 
depressed drinking a bo- drinking wine from a bottle outside the casino and his wife Natalie calling him repeatedly like please just let me know you're okay yeah his wife is Majim Amick who until recently was best known for Twin Peaks mm. now she's best known for Riverdale oh no she's Betty's mom on Riverdale <laughs> That's your one per episode. Oh, I, I warned you there was going to be one more, more than... And I actually have this note that this poor woman would have absolutely gotten the Skylar White treatment if the show had been successful. Oh, 100%. Even though we never see Natalie do anything untoward. But we absolutely would have gotten something. Mm-hmm. Like, she would have been villainized like Lori Grimes, like Skylar White. Like, and this is right in that era, too. Mm-hmm. Of, like, wife bad, anti-hero good. Yeah. Uh, So it's the next morning. Police cars pull up and Bunny bursts into the casino. And so does Ripley to find Buddy dead, dead in Ripley's office. Yeah. Now, mind you, Ripley, we've established, was missing and not calling his wife. Mm hmm. And we saw him enter the casino. Maybe after drinking a bit. Uh, at this point, I'd also like to point out that me and Laura have a running joke that his son is dead. Because we have not seen Jack. Because <laughs> Jack drives away and has just not been seen again. Because <laughs> there's the part where he, she's uh, his wife calls Ripley on the phone and was like, please tell me you're okay. And I yell, we haven't seen our son in days. <laughs> Yeah, like we, they're gone. <laughs> we have to have Ripley uh, go to his work. Yeah. Which is swarming with cops because Buddy is dead. Buddy is dead in Ripley's office. Mm-hmm. And and Bunny, his wife, very publicly accuses Ripley of the murder. Yes. Why did you do it? Why don't you ask him where he was? Ask him where he was last night and ask him why he was angry with my husband. And these two cops who are like detectives start grilling uh, Ripley. And I immediately write down, oh, you need to talk? Sure. Let me incriminate myself real quick. (laughs) I cannot stress this enough. The main detective who is on this case looks like ridiculously photogenic guy. You know the picture of the runner? Yes. (laughs) That's like super smiling. That's who it is. It's not who it really is, but that picture that in your mind. Yeah, that like borderline, like his main thing is that he's attractive. He's, He's distractingly handsome. Yeah, like that's his whole thing. He's just like, can I ask you some handsome questions? They're the only questions I'm able to ask. Where were you when the murder happened? Hmm? He's Detective Peter Carlyle. Um, he's he's been playing. Uh, he's been on the Rookie for ninety eight episodes. Okay. Uh, so that's what he's currently doing. I'm just kind of like. Digging through IMDb. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. I was trying to see if there's anything I knew. But he was on the Andy Dick show. 
All right. <laughs> he was. So, yeah. Um, but he's just distractingly attractive. Distractive. Mm-hmm. And he, we, we kind of have that moment where he's like, oh, yeah, who were you with last night? And we find out that Ripley has no alibi but has means and motive. Yes. Well, he's claiming he's home with his wife. Because the next scene... Well, then Natalie shows up to the scene. Oh, you're right, you're right. And Ripley drives off without her. Because she's so worried that, like, her husband is dead. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm just being accused of murder. Anyway. And we see the detective notice that. Yeah. And then we do find out that their teen son did, in fact, make it home. Yes. Because what ends up happening next is... Uh, Ripley and his wife have this argument interstitched with shots of the son, like in the other room, like mommy and daddy are fighting. Yes. And they're having this knockout drag out argument about how like Ripley might lose everything because he doesn't have the investor. And then he's also throwing in lines like, by the way, if anyone asks, I was here all night. Yeah. Always good to hear. He also asks her to have sex. Yes! We gotta talk about And her that. response is, how would that help? They, they argue so much that he's just like, so are we doing this? <laughs> we have sex? It's... I, I don't know why that line exists, except to possibly villainize the wife, because we're supposed to like Ripley and be like, oh, he's not having any sex. Yeah. That poor man. Ugh. They speculate about Nikki Fontana and Bunny. And then we see that the detective clearly thinks Natalie. The, the detective de- clearly develops a crush on Natalie. Oh, you think there's a legitimate crush. Okay. Yeah, I think he's weirdly fixated on Natalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that... Because he, he immediately goes, oh, his wife is beautiful. Right. And, but he also says some stuff like, I think I can get information from her because she doesn't know I'm a cop. Yeah. Also, he's making excuses to talk to her. Because over yeah. the next episode and a half, he does low-key stalk her. Yeah. So, his plan is, I'm just going to approach this woman as she's trying to drive away. Flirt, because I'm very handsome. Yeah. And eat a Twizzler. He's eating a Twizzler this entire scene, and it drove me insane. And we find out Natalie works at a crisis center. She brings home good money. Uh, she's attentive to the children. She's genuinely a- good person. Uh, she is a perfect spouse. Yeah. Which makes the fact that Ripley kind of sucks worse. Yeah. Um. So they come home and uh, they have a whole candlelit dinner. Okay. So And Jack is as confused as we all are. Jack is the son. Jack comes home and finds his parents in a dark room having a candlelit dinner. And I think I would go, I'm leaving. I just got a car. I'll let you guys do your thing. And they're like, no, we're going to have a family dinner like we used to. And I'm like, you guys used to, as a family, light candles and eat dinner? Yeah. You guys are weirdos. I mean, did your, like, my family would have dinners with, like, low lighting and, like, 
the centerpiece candles lit. Not 40 candles. No. <laughs> like, this looks like, like Sunday a dinner, spa. Sunday dinner, my parents would break out the box wine. This looks like a Creed video. <laughs> um, Cheyenne bursts in upset because Professor Barely Legal dumped her. Did we mention that Ripley punches him out? I think we might have missed that over the insanity that was that scene. Oh, yeah. Ripley punches him. Ripley just punches him. And then um, Cheyenne's upset because she got dumped. Yes. And, oh, God. I So many of my problems with this are not clips, so I apologize. But to just try to, like make his daughter feel better. He's trying to be supportive and was like, do you want me to call him? And she goes, no, you can't control who likes and doesn't like me. And this son of a gun, like almost just winks at the camera where he's just like, "Mm, dramatic irony, right? I guess I can't. Oh, I sure can't do that. Shh. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's our secret. Oh, just it's so lame. <laughs> uh, the next day, perf- uh, Detective Hottie sees Natalie Holden at the supermarket, and he is awkwardly flirting with her because she points out, like, "I saw you yesterday outside my house. You asked me if I like the neighborhood," and he ke- kind of like awkwardly tries to like make excuses for why he's running into her again. Mm-hmm. But she's clearly smart enough to be like, hey, this is weird. You're weird. Stop that. We get a scene, the la- one of the last scenes of, oh no, there's so much more of this episode. Yeah, so the next thing that I have is there's this weird scene where uh, Ripley is outside kind of just looking at his casino. Yeah. Trying to figure out how he's going to get it to open. The scene's not up, or the sign's not up. There's cops everywhere. And... Uh, Fontana's friend shows up and kind of just rubs salt in the wound. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we also find out, I don't know if it's in this scene or earlier, that uh, Fontana is was paying Buddy to pull out so that his little scheme to buy the casino would work. So this was all like his scheme. And all he does is rub salt in the wounds like, you got a casino you don't you can't even open it with a dead body in your office. What you gonna do? And that's enough to inspire our hero <laughs> to be like, I gotta find something to do. And he walks into his casino and he's gonna have a plan and then Deuces Machina's son arrives. Yes. Uh, Jack turns up and he... Has sold the car he was given. Yes. He has sold the car uh, because he's like, we don't need the money. We need the money to for the casino. He sold the car and shows up with, with $250,000 in a backpack. Whoa. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable holding more than $1,000 in my hand. Yeah. It hasn't happened much. <laughs> but I, I definitely I definitely don't like being in public with that amount of money. But like to have so much money you need a backpack and a, and it's heavy. <laughs> Terrifying. So 
the, uh, they Ripley then sings the song "Let It Ride" by Bachman yeah. Turner Overdrive over himself, um, over a montage of Cheyenne crying. Yes. Bunny smoking in her bath. Nick Fontana in his office. Natalie sulking. The son kind of just like sad playing guitar because he's 16 now. He doesn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, he bets everything on red because his kid used to have a red car at Nikki Fontana's casino. Yes. And he wins. And then he bets again. He lets it ride. It's the plot of that episode of South Park. Oh, hell yeah. Let it ride. <laughs> and then he wins again. And then he wins And then he again. walks. With a lot of money. He walks with a million because betting on red pays uh, two to one. So he doubled up and then he doubled up again. So he left with the million dollars he needs to open the doors to the casino. And Viva Las Vegas plays one more time as the crane that they can now afford pulls up the Viva marquee. And he he and Jack uh, pass the switch back and forth and they sing together and turn on the Viva sign for the first time. As the detective looks on. Ripley is just like, son, <laughs> the subtext, he doesn't say this, but he's like, son, if it wasn't for you selling your car, we wouldn't be here. You get the hit the button. And <laughs> Jack looks at it and goes, no, dad, you're the main character. <laughs> and he hands the button back. Yeah. He had a quarter of a million dollars and he blew it on a car. Yep. <laughs> yep. What a hero. So this is the point. I have a big old bomb to drop on you, but I'm going to I'm going to wait till after the second episode. Oh, okay. Cuz uh, I know something you don't know. Okay. I'm not left-handed. Hmm. Um I think I know something you don't know. So It'd be funny mm. if it was the same thing. It would be. I don't think it is cuz I'm also probably wrong. Anyway. <laughs> I know for a fact I am not wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, because mine's research. Okay. Mine's speculation. <laughs> oh, okay. No, mine. I know. When I say I know something you don't know, I actually mean I, I legitimately know. Yes. Uh, before we get into season or episode, episode two, God, we wouldn't be covering it if it was season two. Uh, the rip of episode two is especially harsh. It's so bad. Like, there's a lot of There's weird... a lot of jumps in... I almost feel like it was trying to evade copyright strikes. Well, it was... We watched it on YouTube. And here's the thing. When you put something up on YouTube and they find a copyright uh, strike, you can get... You'll get a message that's like, this is now blocked everywhere. Or this is blocked in most countries because of this segment of it. You can then just press a button... That will cut it. So I think this got hit with copyright like a bunch of times. Yeah. And that button just got hit a bunch of times. Yeah. And that's like why all the cuts seem abrupt and nonsensical. You can tell if you go back and listen to the uh, four WWE pilots episode of Stay Doomed. Yeah. Because I had to do that. If you listen to it on... Where podcasts are sold instead of the YouTube version, it's much longer and has more clips. But YouTube made me get rid of all of them. So that's how I know that. So I feel like that's what's happening here is Mm -hmm. that there's just a lot of like easy, all right, let's just cut this part out. We don't need to hear him sing that long. Um, So yeah, if, if if you watch this live for some reason, you're like, why aren't they talking about this moment? It might have been cut 
from our episode. There's not a really good way for us to tell. Previously on Viva Lockland, and there's all these like weird, like it all of a sudden it becomes uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven with yeah. all these like split screens we've never seen before. Yeah. And I was like, this is the wrong vibe for this show. <laughs> uh, the casino is open, but it's not very successful. And there are rumors that it's cursed. Yes, Viva craps out is the headline in the newspaper. Uh, in the next day in their home, Cheyenne has a suitcase and she's moving in with someone named Holly. Yes, because... She found out Ripley punched her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And Jack does the single most realistic thing anyone does in this show. His sister moves out and he goes, can I have a room? Yeah. <laughs> can I put all my music stuff in a room? Yeah. So we run through the suspects currently. Bunny, the wife, Jonesy, the accountant, and Natalie Holden and Ripley Holden. Now, there's no reason for Natalie to be accused of the murder. Right. But he's got pictures of her and he wants them on the wall. Yeah. And then also Nikki Fontana. Yes. If you're playing along at home, notice who's missing from the board. I'm going to come back to this. So Jack is fixing up a new old car. Because he's got like a beater now. Yeah. There are two other cars in the garage that, I don't know, he could have sold as well. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently a lot of things need to be fixed up on this beater. Mm-hmm. So he's fixing it up. He's getting it. He's also, because it's 2007, he's wearing like a nice Henley to fix a car. Yeah. <laughs> Foolish. Uh, and Ripley awkwardly calls Jack a good son. And Jack then reaches into the tool chest. And, like, when I say the tool chest, I need you to picture the thing that hit Marv after coming down the stairs. That's the sound of a tool chest coming down the stairs. stairs. Is it the tool chest or is it in the car? Oh, I thought it was in the tool chest. uh, It's really hard to tell. I thought it was in the tool chest wrapped in the thing because he pulls it out and then he puts it in the car. Oh, well... A lot of things happens, but he finds a gun. Yeah. He finds a gun and he's just like, what? And it's worth mentioning, he's horrified to find the gun. Yeah, he's horrified. He's like, I better put my fingerprints just on oh, all parts of he it. He puts his fingies on everything. <laughs> Every surface of this gun, he puts his fingerprints on. Just like, if there's a place he can put his little fingers, he do. He's like, I better spit on this too and get some DNA on <laughs> So... Uh, we then learn some more clues about what's going, what happened to Buddy. Uh, Buddy was hit in the head mm-hmm. and then shot. Yeah. So there was some sort of struggle, and then there was a shooting. Remember that. I'm going to come back to it later. So then uh, Bunny shows up, and Bunny, to make it up for accusing... Ripley of murder is going to reinvest the money in the casino after the will is read. Together, they sing I'm Still Standing. I'm Still Standing, yeah, because... Mostly he does. She, like, kind of chimes in once or twice. Yeah. And it's a flashback, and we see young Natalie meeting him while he's working at the convenience store. Mm -hmm. And then we see the convenience store empire growing. And we see, like, Cheyenne be born, and then Jack be born. And then we see Jonesy and Diana. Diana's the casino manager who we met for like literally two seconds in the pilot. Mm-hmm. And we see them growing up together yes. as a group. 
with cuts of him dancing down the escalator. Yeah. I'm still standing. Yeah. And his eyes are so dead. Like, he looked like a shark. Like, there was just nothing behind it as he wiggled those hips. Because he's still standing. Yeah. Uh, God, it's so dumb. Uh, so the, the whole point of, cause again, this is another one where it then smash cuts to them. Like they had none of that happened. And the takeaway is buddy's wife is still going to invest in the casino. Despite the whole screaming at him, accusing him of murder that happened in the last episode. Let's check in Cheyenne. How's she doing? Uh, Cheyenne is, uh... Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. We're missing a bunch of stuff. Sorry, my my notes were confusing. Uh, I was like, Cheyenne is not in the next scene. Um, We we cut back to the son, who is still putting his fingerprints on the gun. Yeah, as Natalie is leaving to go to work at the crisis center. So he goes, oh no, my mom's here. And he shoves it... I should hide it, and he puts it in his pants. Yeah, he puts it in, like... The back of his waistband. Yeah, like he's you know a where cowboy. I should put this gun right up, like right up my butt. I should put this in my butt. These <laughs> sixteen-year-olds <laughs> these days, you know. So then we get this really great, stupid scene where Jonesy goes to visit Bunny at the spa because Ripley is attempted to refuse Bunny's money, and Jonesy does not want that to happen. Yeah. So Jonesy's in like a little shorty robe, mm-hmm. so uncomfortable. He's yeah. allergic to mud. He's allergic to mud. Uh, we, Earth and water. He's allergic to. We also establish that, like, he lives with his mom. Yeah. And then, uh, they sing the song Montana Max sings in Tiny Tunes, that gimme money. <laughs> yeah. Which I know is That's the song. That's what I want. But I, I always think of it as Tiny Tunes. Which yeah. Which did this bit better. Yes, for real. Uh, the next scene we get Natalie accusing the detective of stalking her. Because, like, he pops up again at the crisis center. And then we find Cheyenne. Now we can check oh, back did, in. Did we talk about the whale? Not yet. Okay. Because we're, we're not quite there yet. Okay. Uh, so Jack is helping Cheyenne move in with Holly. Who is Anna Kendrick? Who's Anna Kendrick? I was like, oh, hello. This is Anna Kendrick, essentially, before, right before Twilight, right before Up in the Air. This is not her first role. But this is, like, right before she breaks out. Yeah. Uh, to the point where you're, like, wondering if her breaking out, if the show had been picked up, would we have Anna Kendrick? Mm-hmm. And Jack is trying to talk to Cheyenne about the murder, and Cheyenne's like, look, I'm mad at Dad, but he's not a murderer. Yeah. And now we get to Ripley and Jonesy are trying to get this whale and they're trying to get this whale gambler. Yeah, so they're if they can get this specific gambler. You you know what a whale is in like video games. Like, yeah. It's it's the person with all the money and like in terms of like the whale is the person who pays for all the premium stuff in your free game. Uh he's got a lot of money. He just wants to gamble and have a good time. So he's at Fontana's uh, hotel casino to do that. So they're going to try to poach him mm-hmm. and get him to go to the Viva. Uh, 
Fontana's uh, lackey shows up and was like, oh, what are you gentlemen doing here? Don't you know that we couldn't pay for Hugh Jackman for this episode? Yeah. <laughs> like, he literally says, like, oh, Fontana's somewhere else. Uh, this is such a missed opportunity. They're going to try to tempt this whale away from the casino because they know that he likes plus-sized women. Yes. So they get this plus-sized woman. They get Diana. Who's the Diana? The casino yeah, manager. The casino manager who's like, you're going to flirt with him and get him to come to our casino. And then they play Fat Bottom Girls. And nobody sings along. No. It's just the background music. This is the most fun you could have with this show right now. Especially because Annie in this, Diana rather, in this scene is confident. She's funny. She's got swagger. I'm going to take my top off. She takes off her top and has this like awesome hot pink corset. Mm -hmm. Like this could have been a really fun musical number. Yeah, Like giving the lyrics to her and just have her strutting confidently would be great. Giving the lyrics to him... And having like him just be like a hype man, yeah. <laughs> for her as they're strutting down to the pool, fantastic. Uh, I should mention that they are strutting down to the pool, and brother is in a full black suit, yeah, with a black shirt on. <laughs> yes, uh, it's hot. And they get there, and he's already covered in women. <laughs> he's already covered in plus size models. <laughs> Uh, his lackey comes down and goes... Fon- uh, Fontana's lackey. Yeah. He was like, yeah, plus-size models. Had them flown in. <laughs> yeah, to keep the whale's attention and keep him there. I was like, okay, we're having fun. <laughs> this is fine. Um. So then we get to the reading of the will. And we find oh, yes. out the will was changed the night Buddy died. And everything goes to his... Uh, his daughter. Yes. Who Bunny didn't know about. Didn't even know existed. And the lawyer was like, oh, Buddy's been playing child support for her for years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in some contact with her. And Buddy screams about contesting the will. And Buddy's lawyer says, like, you don't want to do that. Implying that Buddy may have been mixed up in some criming. Yeah. And Bunny may have been as well. Mm-hmm. We also find out that Buddy had called... Uh, Ripley from the lawyer's house. Yeah. Possibly the last phone call he made. Ripley, meanwhile, successfully talks the whale into getting to the Viva. Yes. And the detective follows him. I I, want to stress this because I enjoy gambling, like, recreationally. Like, I'm not the... Ooh, I'm gonna win. It's it's more of like I like the game and I like I find the, it interesting. He knows the whale is a card counter. Yeah. So he's going to offer him uh, no limit blackjack with less decks, most fewer decks. We're really gonna do this right now. Is this, is this really what we're gonna do? It's, sorry, it's something that my journalism professor... Oh, I know! So, there's going to be fewer decks. So, card counters, when they go up there, they they usually, like, 
casinos usually state how many decks are being used. Like, right. This, this is six decks. This is seven decks. And by adding more decks, there's more you have to keep track of. Uh, card counting is not illegal, but casinos can, like, kick you out. Because they're a private business. If they don't want your business, they can ask you to leave. Simple as that. Usually, if someone starts counting cards, you just add another deck. Yeah. Because that throws the count off. So to go up to a card counter and be like, yo, four decks is very appealing. So they think that this is going to work. Right. And the guy's like kind of tempted. But of course, Fontana's lackey like also keeps like upping things. Like we can raise your limit. Like we can give you this. We can give you that. To the point where... uh, Ripley says, one deck blackjack. No limit. Which is insanity. Okay. <laughs> like, because like, you know exactly how many cards there are. And it's easier to keep track of because, like, there's not two aces of spades. You can just be like, that was the ace of spades. The ace of spades is gone. So, that's enough to get the whale to go. And at this point, Fontana's lackey is like, you're going to go bankrupt. Yeah. You're just going to give all your money to this guy. Uh, I just, I need to set the stage of how insane this is, because what happens next is even more insane. Yeah. Now, uh, the detective asks Ripley why the phone call happened, and Ripley just kind of lies about where, continues to lie about where he was. And Ripley, it's very weird because he's just incriminating himself by lying. Yeah. And then we get a montage because Cheyenne brings Jack to a party and then asks him not to drink too much. And we get a montage of him drinking and meeting girls while the whale gambles at the Viva. Yeah. And we then see Jack get into a fight Mm -hmm. with two guys who were disrespecting Cheyenne behind her back. Like, oh, I'm going to tap that. Yeah. Like every man in this show has... (laughs) And the whale wins uh, a lot of money and then sings a reprise of the Montana Mac song. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me talk about how the whale wins. Yeah. The whale is counting cards. He's making all these big bets. It's so much money that there's a crowd. Like, this is attracted people. So a lot of people are watching and not gambling Yeah. Uh, to see this going on. At the same time, Ripley is counting cards. Yeah. Ripley starts to realize, like, okay, I know what cards are in the deck. He knows what cards are in the deck. Based on the cards that are there, he's basically unstoppable. Yeah. So Ripley sits down and is like, I never said you could have this table to yourself. I'm going to play. Which, first off... Is illegal. Yeah. Employees of the casino cannot bet at the casino. <laughs> You're not allowed to. Plain and simple. Second, he is throwing things away just mm-hmm. to screw with the whale. He gets uh, a uh, an 18. And he knows that the cards that are left there are low. So he hits it and he gets the 2. So now he has a 20, and he hits it again, and then he gets the queen. So now, all that's left is, like, garbage. So, it is... 
He hit a 20. It is completely obvious to not just the whale, but to the crowd of people that is watching that if you start winning at the Viva, the owner will step in and screw you. Mm. <laughs> like, what a terrible impression. And despite this, he still wins. He wins like $400,000. He wins less than what Ripley won at the casino last episode. And the casino last episode, like, Fontana was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. But, like, he wins a lot of money to the point where it's like, I don't think we can... Open Like, we will last about another week. Because we're not going to be able to cover bets anymore. Uh, During this big, like, climactic moment, we cut to Bunny (laughs) and her daughter. Well, we have Cheyenne confronting Jack about the fight. Oh, I thought we already covered that. My apologies. No, uh, Cheyenne... After this bit, Cheyenne confronts Jack about the fight and it's like, you can't punch people. It's not who you are. And he goes, dad punches people. And she goes, you're not like dad. Mm-hmm. So kind of can, the relationship between Jack and Ripley is clearly meant to be a theme in this yeah. show. And Cheyenne is also there. So then we get Buddy's daughter comes to see Bunny. It's not Bunny's daughter. She's oh, not yeah, related. Buddy's daughter. Excuse yeah, me. Buddy's daughter comes to see Bunny. Yeah. And she gives this very BS line of like, I want to be fair to you, but I have to honor my father's intentions, Mm -hmm. which is just like a very shiny way of being like, I'm keeping all this money, gold digger. But we should be friends because you're my stepmom. Yeah. This would never happen. So then uh, Ripley and Jonesy are at a bar and the whale shows up. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was a setup, and Jonesy was not made aware of this because Jonesy needed to convincingly, quote, sweat bullets. Yes. So basically, the whale is a friend of Ripley's that he paid to come in, bet at Fontaine's, uh, or Fontana's uh, casino, so you could have the moment where he was like, I'm done with this casino, I'm going to the good casino. The Viva. And then everyone could see him win big. Mm-hmm. And then he gives the money back. So yeah. it's just like this big publicity stunt. And yes, this guy was paid, but he's not making the money that he won. It's just all this, like, scam. Yeah. Which I actually really like as a twist. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is pretty good. Except for the whole part where he actively tries to screw him. Yeah. What was the point of that? Uh, The point of it was this thing of, like, he tried to screw him, but the guy won anyway. So, like, even the man, he wanted them to see Jonesy sweat bullets, and they wanted to see Ripley look nervous. Like, oh, my God, we're going to lose all this money. And then the whale still won. Mm Mm-hmm. It still tells the patrons that if you're winning, the owner will attempt to screw you. But he'll fail. He sucks at it. Unless they, what they could have done a better job of was I was actually making sure he would win. Yeah. They needed that line, but they didn't do it. 
So that's the last note I have. Uh, I have one more important note. Okay. Where they step away from Jonesy, the con, who, by the way, the the whale slash this guy, uh, I know him from Lost. Okay. He's one of the others. Huh. Uh, They have this moment where it's like, okay, thank you for doing this. We're even now. Don't ever call me again. Yeah, don't ever call me again. And he says something like, what, I can't hang out? And Ripley says, you're an ex-con. And the whale responds, and you're not. Yeah, we we get a lot of implications that Mm. Ripley has a past. Yes. Because we also get the implication that he has a past with a bunny. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, if I work with bunny, it's going to destroy my marriage. And that is how Viva Lachlan ends. So what do you think you know? I think I know who killed Buddy. Okay. All right. So I, I think I know too. All right. I went through the clues. All right. Now, I think that based on the second episode, a lot of like new characters and new plot points arrive throughout this. So, of course, I don't have all the details here. All right. Uh, but I noticed one key thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone is rubbing it in Ripley's face of, yeah, Buddy died in your building. Buddy died in your building. You got to deal with that. Nobody wants to go there. A guy died in there. Except for one man. Fontana's lackey. Okay. He sits down and says, you got a dead body in your office. How does he know that? Oh. We never got the information out amongst the people where Buddy died other than it was in the Viva. Ah. So I think he revealed right then that he was the one who killed him. I also believe that what happened was Buddy called uh, Ripley. Ripley arrived. They had a disagreement. And I think it was still Ripley who hit him. Mm -hmm. I think it's Ripley's fault that there was a contusion on the back of his head. And then I think Fontana's lackey shot him. And that's why I was suspicious that he wasn't on Handsome Detective's vision board. (laughs) Who do you know (laughs) killed Buddy? So Viva Laughlin's based on a BBC show called Blackpool. Oh, really? It also aired one season because it's the BBC. Viva Blackpool. Uh, It also starts with the song Viva Las Vegas. Do, Do they sing along with the... That I do not know. All right, we'll have to watch it. <laughs> uh, but it has a lot of the same uh, has a lot of the same beats. Mm-hmm. So that character, uh, inner it it's the son who intervenes when the buddy equivalent was abusing a sex worker. So it's the it's his son. In the, by the way, spoilers for a 20-year-old show called Blackpool that was a BBC show. So he doesn't find the gun, it's his gun, and he's just trying to figure out what to do with it? It's in England, so there is no gun. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) They're not savages like we are here in America. It's a blow to the head um, that he sustains after the... uh, 
after the son and the buddy equivalent character get into a fight because the buddy equivalent character is abusing a sex worker. All right. Um, so the Detective McSexy is yeah. played by David Tennant. Oh! Which is why I knew this. Strikingly handsome Detective David Tennant. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait a minute. Is this the, is this the David Tennant joint? And it is. Interesting. Um, so, you know, Ripley, the, the Ripley, and he's still named Ripley in the British show as well. But, uh, and that's why I'm so convinced that the detective is in love with Natalie, because he's in love with Natalie in the British show. Okay, interesting. Interesting. All right, I guess that's a pretty good argument for The Sun. The Sun was not on my my list. The Sun was on my list, actually. Because he was missing for so long? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I I was too busy doing the bit where he was dead. (laughs) So, uh, that was something I was like, I don't think Noah knows about Blackpool. I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't. um, This was in that era where... David Tennant would do a show, and then it would get remade. Yeah. Uh, Blackpool, Broadchurch, which uh, became Grace Point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grace Point, I believe that one just takes David Tennant and just plunks him into America. Yeah. Because by that point, David Tennant had been Doctor Who and had a level of fame in the U.S. Uh, So I just kind of wanted to drop that in there. Of I know a little bit more of the story beats. I know that, you know... The detective is, in fact, in love with Natalie and is hell-bent on getting Ripley convicted for the murder because he's blinded by All right. his feelings for Natalie. All right. Sound off in the comment below who you think killed <laughs> Buddy. Hashtag Team Lackey. Hashtag Team Son. Hashtag Team This Show Is Not Good Enough To Put This Much Thought Into. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear from you. What's your verdict? You know, this is terrible, but it's kind of the right kind of terrible. Okay. Uh, Because we watched the one time that this show appeared on The Soup, and if this got more episodes up, this show would appear on The Soup constantly. I am going to say that this is a stay doomed. During these two episodes, I was like watching the clock wanting this to be over. But we know that six episodes were made. Mm-hmm. I think it could turn me. If I, if I saw more of the show, I think it could turn me. Where we're at right now, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. For me, it's a stay doomed. I was looking at the clock the whole show. Like, if they just turned it up a little more, a little bit more with the cheese. Like, I think they could have saved me if they had sang Fat Bottom Girls. Okay. (laughs) It's just like, it's such a ridiculous premise. And like, it's, you know how when things don't mix, they're like oil and water. Like, they're just like separated and they go together poorly. Not only does the musical aspect and the plot of the show not mix... They're actually kept separately. If I were to remove them from this show, nothing would change. Yeah. 
it would probably be a better show. <laughs> so it's such a weird anomaly. I can't believe they got Hugh Jackman for this. But like Hugh Jackman was also an executive producer. Oh, that explains a lot. Uh but it also like if after this drops, if all of a sudden they're like, yo, they released episodes uh, three through six of Viva Lachlan, I'd be like, let's go! Part two! Here we go! Give me more of this stupid show. I think I could watch, like, something you guys have to understand with Stay Doomed is it's a very different experience than watching something for fun for me, mm-hmm. especially me, because uh, I take very detailed notes through the entire yeah. show. Uh, I think if I didn't have to do that, I might have enjoyed this show more. Yeah. Uh, still a stay doomed for me. Yeah. Like, this will have a scene that I will think about for the rest of my life. And that's, I'm a hero, I'm opening a casino. Why would he invest in wind? <laughs> it's insanity. It's in, The American dream is a casino, not air. Like, someone wrote that and was like, this is going to make this character likable because he hates windmills. Your Don Quixote. Yeah. Oh, what a show. So, uh, first off, if you like this show that you just listened to, consider becoming a patron. You can talk to us about the show and also help decide what we will be watching in the future. You can check that out at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And thank you to Matthew for being a super cool patron. Laura, what are we watching next week? We are watching the 1974 pilot for Evil Knievel, starring Sam Elliott as the titular daredevil. Should be pretty fun. Where can people find us? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about how the lackey of Fontaine, who I'm positive killed Buddy, but not positive enough that I remembered his name, <laughs> you can reach me at Plus2Comedy on Twitter. And if you think... If you have any ideas what we should do for our fifth anniversary, which is coming up in August of this year, if you have any ideas for what you think we should do for that fifth anniversary, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.